You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. A delayed drop in the gloves episode. We had some uh, unexpected hiccups, Tim, the last few days. Obviously, I was awaiting um, a little baby. And if you'll you'll hear some noise in the background, potentially I'm watching her right now while mom sleeps. But yeah, my seventh child was born. I don't want to spend too much time on this because we're we're kind of at a truncated schedule today. It's just it's been a hectic, hectic four days. So you're going back to North Carolina. I'm trying to watch your baby and all the kids. My wife's sleeping. She needs some rest. So it's it's been very hectic, Tim. But yes, little baby Scott is here. Number seven has arrived. And then can you hear? There it is. There she is. Yes, she. It's another girl. I have seven girls officially. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's something else. So yeah, for all of you who thought it was a boy, you're all wrong. And I'm disappointed in you. And all I know how to do is make girls. So, yes, baby Scott is here. Her name is Esther Scott. We're very excited. She's big. She's healthy. She's good. And that's all you can really ask for. So, yes, that happened. Moving on. Right, Tim, to the the, tra- the July 13th free agency period is upon us. It's behind us. There was some a little anticlimactic before the free agency period began. Malkin signed. That was disappointing. Who else signed? There's a couple of big names that re-upped with their teams. And I was a little disappointed. I wanted to see those op- guys hit the open market. But you can't always get what you want. There was some fireworks. Even so, let's jump into it. We're going to touch kind of on everything, and then we'll break it down next week when I have a little more time to kind of sit back and just really give you my thoughts on everything because it was interesting, to say the least. And I got some uh, – it'll be good. But, yeah, let's just touch on everything, starting with the biggest splash, the biggest free agent on the market. Johnny Gaudreau. Everybody thought Johnny was going to go back home, Philadelphia, New Jersey, that area. He's from that area. He he has voiced how much he loves being at home, this and that. His brother plays for the devil. Or no, sorry, that's the Hughes. I'm all out of source. I'm running on zero sleep, everybody. So bear with me. He threw a curveball with everybody. I think he even threw a curveball with the Columbus Blue Jackets themselves. Their GM said, I was surprised when Johnny was interested, and I moved heaven and earth to make that happen for him to come here because he wasn't expecting Johnny to even be interested in Columbus. And I don't blame him. What player in their right mind entering their money-making years coming into free agency for the first time really would want to go to Columbus? Their recent track history with superstars, not good. They haven't really made anybody happy. Seth Jones got shipped out. Line A unceremoniously brought in, had some issues with the coach. Pierre-Luc Dubois shipped out. All of these guys are just leaving Columbus. It's never really worked out. It's not for lack of trying. Their GM has just, he's been pushing the envelope ever since he's been put in that position. That one year, famously, he didn't trade Bobrovsky. He didn't trade Panarin. He didn't trade all these guys because he wanted to make a push, win a Stanley Cup, ended up blowing up in his face. But you have to love his effort. And you have to love his reaction when he heard the news that potentially Johnny Gaudreau could be interested in the Columbus Blue Jackets. He probably checked his phone, checked his phone. What? Am I getting pranked here? Like, is this, am I getting swatted? Are the police going to come barreling through the doors? This can't be true. This is not true. 
for whatever reason, we'll break that into next week. We'll, we'll discuss that at length. Johnny wanted to go to Columbus and he signs with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Tim, when you saw this, did you have to do a second, third, fourth take? Because this is completely insane. It goes against everything I know about hockey players and just professional athletes as a whole. You don't go to a struggling team when you're a superstar and sign for less money. Well, why did this happen? What do you think is going on, Tim? I don't totally get it. I thought it was like a prank at first. My uncle texted me at one point and he told me that Johnny Gaudreau signed with the Bruins. And I believe there for a hot second and I checked him like, no, no, he didn't. So when I saw the Columbus news flash across my my tape. I was like, no, that's not that's no way that's, that's correct. And so th- thinking more about it, I was thinking, OK, he wanted ideally to to return to Philly. Never got the offer that he wanted, but he wanted to play in front of his hometown. And if he can't play for his hometown team, he didn't want to play against it, which is why he didn't sign with the Devils and the Islanders, even though those were the two teams that were believed to be the front runners at that point. And the longer it went, the less likely he was going to sign with those guys. The more those those teams were getting nervous, which is why you saw um, the Devils sign Palat instead. And that was kind of like their, their their contingency plan. But I don't understand that, that. That makes sense to me. I don't understand why Columbus, though, if you make a decision to say, OK, I can't sign with this team, so I'm not going to sign with those teams. That leaves 27 other teams. Why Columbus? Was it just that they're the ones who answered? I mean, I, I like Columbus. It's a cool city. I think this team, you know, could be good in a couple of years. They're not a playoff team. They weren't this year. And Johnny Gaudreau doesn't make them a playoff team at this point. Um, Line A is not under contract. He will sign, especially with Gaudreau there. But it doesn't. That part doesn't make sense to me. They still their first line consists of if Line A resigns, which we're expecting he will. It's Gaudreau line A with Jack Roslovic being the first line center. Wait, what? If I'm Johnny Gaudreau, I'm signing up to play with who? Yeah. So the big issue here with me, it's not that Columbus got him. Great. Johnny has his, his um, you know, his reasonings. And we don't know. We'll probably find out about that once we uh, kind of take a breath and realize what's going on and kind of digest everything. Johnny will do a couple of interviews and he'll, he'll let us know his reasonings. But the big issue with me is Philadelphia. What, what are we doing if I'm Chuck Fletcher? You have an opportunity to alter your franchise. Johnny Gaudreau is a franchise-altering player. He's proved it in Calgary for 10 years now. He is an elite, elite playmaker. He wanted to go to Philadelphia. And you didn't want to shuffle some contracts to make it work? If I'm the president of the Philadelphia Flyers, Chuck Fletcher no longer works for me. This team has been scuttling for four or five years now. You finally make some smart decisions, ship out some contracts, you get rid of Voracek, you get rid of Giroux, you're trying to take a next step in your team's identity. What are we going to do? And I know their contract situation is tight because they have JVR, they have, have a couple of their big contracts with Couturier and these guys. You make that work. Just like what the, the Columbus GM said, I don't know his name, he's some, some Finnish guy, he's a great GM. Whatever he had to do, he would make this work. Chuck Flesher should have signed Johnny Gaudreau. Right away, as soon as he showed any interest in Philadelphia, you make that work. There are very few players in the NHL that moved the needle like Johnny Gaudreau. The guy had 115 points last year. He's a good player, and he wants to come and play for my team. Oh, oh, we're, we're making that work. Yes, I will waive JVR. I'll eat his cap space. I will trade JVR with two first-round draft picks just to get Johnny Gaudreau locked up for eight years. I make that work. And the fact that he didn't even answer the call, did he didn't even pursue that? Oh, he's fired. He's fired yesterday. If I'm the president or the owner, that makes me sick to my stomach. If I'm a Philadelphia Flyers fan, and I know that someone wanted to come and play for my team, 
based on how futile we've been the last three, four, five years and how dysfunctional our team has been. Oh, I am upset. But in the end of the day, Johnny's in Columbus. Philly doesn't have him. And then if you're the Calgary Flames, Tim, oh, what do we have to do to keep a superstar? This, to me, is the biggest part of this story. Calgary offered him the longest term, the highest dollar amount, and Johnny still said, I, you know what? Not doing it. Is that because Daryl Sutter's the coach? Is that because he, he knows something that we don't? Is there something going on in Calgary? Oh, I said it before. This will be a mass exodus in Calgary now. Kachuk won't be back. Gaudreau has gone. Get ready for some lean years, Calgary Flames. And now they're going to go out and react because they lost Gaudreau and throw a boatload of money at a Nazim Kadri, who's a good player. He's not a playmaker like Johnny Gaudreau is. Nazim Kadri is worse than Kachuk, Matthew, and he's a very similar type player. So if they, if they go out and make that mistake and do a reactionary signing, Calgary is going to be garbage, not garbage, but not a very good team for the foreseeable future. So, you know, there, there's more, there's a lot to read in between the lines here. Why Columbus? Why not Calgary? What's going on in Philadelphia? Why couldn't New Jersey make this work? It was a very interesting negotiation period. It was very quick, but a lot can be taken away from Johnny's decision to where he went, where he didn't go. And what's going on with all these teams. You say you want to be contenders. You, you sign John Tortorella, you're making moves. You say you don't want to rebuild the New Jersey devils. They have a lot of good young prospects and they go out and spend $5 million on Pilat. spend a couple more million dollars and get a player. That's 10 times better than a plot. It, it's, it's, it's very strange, Tim. What else? Any, anything else you want to touch on this before we move on? No, let's move on to a team that I think had a great day this week uh, was the Detroit Red Wings. Um, so they came in with a lot of money to spend. And I was, I mean, what I like, we'll talk about the moves he made, but what I like is I didn't overcommit to anyone. He didn't throw silly money at anybody. If he's going to go out and get a superstar, he's going to do it on his terms. He's going to find someone who's maybe a little bit undervalued who are teams handcuffed to a guy that they might not be able to keep long-term like uh, a Barzal. I'm sure he's calling on Pasternak who hasn't signed yet. Those types of players, he's not going to go and overpay for someone at free agency when the team's not quite at, quite at contention level yet, which I thought was really smart. But the moves that he did make were really cool. So he signed Andrew Kopp to a five-year deal, signed David Perron to a two-year deal, Kubelik to two years, Ben Sherratt for two years, and Oli Mata for one year, who's a nice stay-at-home defenseman. These are, these are addressing the needs that they had. They needed stronger defense on the left-hand side. They needed some offensive pop. They need a little bit of veteran scoring. Perron brings that. Cop does everything. We talked about it. Plays every position, plays up and down the ice. And then they traded for Vili Husso, who's going to be a 1-2-10 and with Nijelkovic. Um, and they still have $10 million in cap space. And they probably – he's still – next year is not his his year for contention. He's got a longer plan than that. And I think he made the right moves at this point in their in their growth. Yeah, in the Detroit Red Wings progression from being terrible to now, they they made a lot of good moves. Stevie's a good GM. He didn't, like you said, overextend himself. He didn't put out any bad contracts to players that he's going to regret down the road. I think maybe the one that might be regretful is a Sherratt. That that was a that was a higher level number, but he's a good defenseman. You know, he he's a solid defenseman. It's going to get the job done. He'll pair in nicely with Mo Sider on that first pairing, and uh, it'll be good. It's they're missing a couple pieces, but they'll be a good team next year. I like the Andrew Cobb signing. I like the David Perron signing for whatever reason. He didn't want to re up in St. Louis or St. Louis didn't offer him enough. David Perron will sneakily slide into that first line and be a really effective player with uh, Bertuzzi and Dylan Larkin. He's a good player. As much as I don't like him, it's a sneaky, good signing. So good for Steve Eisman. I looked at the roster. It's, it's better than last year. That's all you can ask for. 
Their team will, will be better this year. They'll be a contender for the eighth, seventh seed in the East. It's a very tough nut to crack in the East, as we know. But Stevie's doing his thing. He's doing his thing. He's got a lot of money to spend. He's trying to angle, I think, for next year to show Bertuzzi and Larkin we are making some steps here. Please resign with our team because they're good players. He wants to retain those two guys to a good term. And then the Detroit Red Wings will hopefully be contending. Like I said last year, Ottawa, Detroit, they will be contenders in the next three to five years for a Stanley Cup team. And look what happened this offseason. I think Detroit knocked it out of the park. And then the Ottawa Senators killed it. What do you think? Who, who had a better free agency period? The Senators or the Red Wings? I say Red Wings um, only because I think they're a little bit smarter about it. But the Senators definitely made a bigger splash, some of the moves they made. So the big one, obviously, the second the free agency started, it was official. Claude Giroux signed three years. He's from Hearst, Ontario, right, right outside Ottawa. That was their big acquisition in the free agency market. Coming off a couple of really good trades they made, we traded for Debrinkit, gave up really not a ton for him, three picks. Um, he's under contract for one more year. And they traded for Cam Talbot which I thought was interesting because um, when Minnesota brought Fleury back, they, they had to make a little bit of a move. And that makes them better because even though they had to retain a little bit of money, they got rid of Matt Murray's contract, which I'm sure they were happy to do. And they got a first by doing that. And so, yeah, they, they made a, a couple of good moves. The one that I thought was a little bit overpaying was that extension they made for Josh Norris. Eight years, he's going to make just under $8 million, 7.95 or something like that. It sounds like a lot of money for a guy who hasn't really done a ton yet. He's a good player. I think he... He will do more, but I don't know if he's lived up to that type of money yet. Yeah, I the Norris signing, I had to digest a little bit. At first, I had the same reaction you did. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. The kid's showing progression. He's showing he's got a lot more left in the tank. He had a good year this year. He's a big body centerman. He really is. So I think he will grow into that contract. And when it comes to the fifth, sixth year of that contract, and he's making 8.75, 9.25, it'll be a bargain. I think this guy will be a point-per-game guy. I think he's a really good hockey player. And I think Dorian News knows this. And making the smart decision, he's going to lock him up for a long term. Yes, it's a gamble. You have to gamble on your draft picks. You bring this guy in. He's a high draft pick. And you're going to roll with him. He's a good player. So they don't want to lose him in uh, restricted free agency or free agency in a few years. I think Ottawa knocked this period out of the park. I think they killed it. I think they come out of this free agency period the most improved team by far. Top to bottom, they they improved every facet of the game. They got better defensively. They got better in the goaltender. They needed some goal-scoring punch, and they got it. They supplemented Stutzel. They supplemented Kachuk. They had a decent team, but not any high-end scoring talent. They go and get to Brinkett. They needed a playmaker. Giroux comes there and just adds that element. Sorry, she's she wants mom, everybody. I'm sorry. I'm trying to hold down the fort here when mom gets a nap in. But I think Ottawa, and then to, to cap it off, they get a first rounder by trading Matt Murray, and then you get a better goaltender at the end of the day. It's insane that he was able to do this. Joe Dorian completely resurrected my perception of him. I thought he was a bad GM. He's making bad this and that. He's, he's foolish to say Ottawa is a contender. If Ottawa doesn't make the playoffs this year, it'll be surprising. They're, they have a very good team, Tim. Yeah, the only thing that I, I get nervous just thinking about, like other teams have made – big moves and brought in all these guys. And you think they're going to work out and keep doing how they produce in the past. Last year, you had the Flyers bring in uh, Cam Atkinson and Reese Delinen and uh, gosh, Yandel and Ellis. You're like, okay, they're going to be a lot better this year. And they weren't. And the Blackhawks go and bring in Tyler Johnson and Seth Jones and all these other guys. And it doesn't work out. And you see a lot of times you assume that the pieces are all going to fit together and they, they don't always, a lot of times it's the chemistry. I mean, the Celtics have done it the every sport, right? There's always a team that brings in a bunch of guys. You think they're going to be so good 
and then it just doesn't work out. And a lot of times they miss the playoffs completely. I don't know that this is the case, but I'm just I'm hedging my bet a little bit. I'm a little bit nervous from that. I'm not assuming that Giroux is still a point per game guy. I'm not assuming that Debrink is going to score 40 goals playing with these guys. Their top six looks really good on paper, but we'll see how it actually plays out. Can't live in fear, Tim. Can't live in fear. You got you got to always push push the envelope. This is their. He could not extend this rebuild any longer. I feel like for his job, for his sake, he had to pull the trigger and spend some money and try to make this team a contender. The, the, he could not sit on his draft picks and just say, you know what, we're going to, like the Philadelphia 76ers has done, well, it's a process. No, we have to win now. The fans are chomping at the bit. And you have to send a message to your young players that want to resign. The Norrises, the Kachucks, the Stutzels, the Bathertons. You have to invest in them and say, you know what? The Shabbats, we're going for it, you guys. We have a good young core. We're going to bring in some veteran guys, and we're going to give you the goaltender you want. And now we're going for it. And so I, I love what he did. I think Ottawa will be a good team, especially when you look at the division. Toronto did not improve. If that anything, works. Toronto took a few steps backwards. Yeah. Buffalo's bad. Boston has huge question marks surrounding that team. Where are we going to be? What's Marshawn's injury status going to be when he comes back? Is Bergeron going to come back? What's the Krejci situation? What's going on in Boston? There's a lot of unknowns in that division. And right now, the Senators all of a sudden are looking pretty dangerous. They have a good young team that will be motivated. These guys have not had success in a long time. And when you get that taste, oh, baby, you want more and more of it. So if you're those young guys... And you see these older guys coming in who have had success internationally and in the NHL. You're like, oh, baby, let's go. Like, I'm excited. I want to come to the rink. And they, they will come out of this gate firing first game this season. I expect them just to – they're going to be a dangerous team, Tim. I really do. I think Dorian, based on just two days of work, GM of the year so far. Well, Killed I'm it. Sure, yeah, the group chat between the Senators guys with Kachuk and Batherson and Norris and all those guys just blowing up. And I'm sure they're very, very excited to play with these, these new additions. The other move I want to talk about, uh, you mentioned the Bruins. They made a trade uh, the other day, and they traded Eric Halla for Pavel Zaka. Uh, did you have a gut, you know, quick reaction to that one? Well, I thought there, that was a move anticipating another move. So you get rid of Halla, you bring in Daka with the anticipation of a bigger move for Boston. I don't know what, what their end game is. Do you know you're a Boston insider? Are they angling yeah. for somebody? Are they trying to pick up a trade? What's going on in Boston trying to clear up that cap space? Yeah, here's, here's what that deal is about. One, they capitalized on a player who's 31 years old, who had his best career in five seasons, second best in of his, of his, of his, sorry, best season in five. <sighs> and so he, um, they capitalized on him, Eric Halla, who played, you know, top six minutes most of the year, played with, with Taylor Hall and Pasenak and, Good player. I like him. Uh, they moved him from a, a younger player who's bigger, stronger, and he's got more of a two-way game with Pavel Zaka. Again, he was like a sixth overall pick, so he's got like yep. a bus thrown around on him. I think he probably shouldn't have been drafted that high, so hopefully, you know, shedding that a little bit, getting a, a fresh start will help him. But this move only works if you bring back uh, more pieces to your top six, because your top six got worse. Like, Hall is really not a top six player, but he's also a guy that can play there. Zaka's not. Zaka really, I mean, he could move up, but he's not. He, he's a better on the third line. And so I'm thinking they, they must have made this move in anticipation of Bergeron and Krejci signing, which sounds like they will, but the longer it goes on, the, the more nervous I get. And Bergeron, there was a report in, in uh, Montreal on the French-Canadian paper that said he was all but basically had signed. And then after a day later, he, he clarified that he wasn't ready to confirm that this was happening. 
So it does it does make me nervous. That all said, he was the first person to call Pavel Zaka when the when the trade came through, and he basically welcomed him to a team, which tells me that he's still he's still running things, he's still captain, he's still part of that group. So I like the move, but again, it only works if they if they're not done. If this is it, and they don't bring those guys back, they got worse with this trade, and they got worse by omission with those guys being gone. Does it bother you that Bergeron is like holding the team hostage? It's like you should know if you're going to play next year. It's been enough time since the end of the season to make your decision. Like, what are you waiting for? The thing that, yeah, you, we can't, I, I'm not ready to blame Bergeron. I mean, they, they, their entire offseason plan hinged around trying to get their 40 year old center to not retire. Like that's, that's on them. That's not on Bergeron. He, I think he's been fine. I, I wish it would sign sooner, but I'm not, I'm not upset with him. So especially like what, what move are they going to make? That's better than, than him. They don't have any cap space. They're, they're relying on two loyal veterans who take pay cut to stay with them. It's not like they can go out and make a play at some of these big names being thrown around. They're not going to sign a Kadri. They, they couldn't have signed a, a Goudreau, even if those guys, if they knew they weren't coming back. So, no, it doesn't really bother me. I just hope that they don't blow it. Well, they'll be bad this year. They they will not be better this year than they were last year. There's yeah, no those way. If two guys come back, they will be better than this year. Because you think Bergeron will be better this year than he was last year? He'll be as good. The thing is, well, Krejci returned too. So now you've got a full season of Pasternak, Krejci, Hall, like we talked about last week. Bergeron, DeBrusque is motivated now in Marchand. Yeah, you got some injuries coming back, but he'll be fine. He'll be fine. And you got McAvoy and Grizzly, your top, arguably top two defensemen, two out of three, and uh, they're dealing with injuries. They probably won't be back till like October, November. So it'll, it'll be a slow start, but I think they'll be fine. And really, I think really the only playoff spot in the East that'd be potentially open for grabs is the Washington Capitals, but they got a little bit better too. They um they got better at the goalie position. Kemper's probably the best goalie since um what's his name was in his prime. The uh the guy that wanted the cup. So I think I think Holby? they'll be better too. Yeah, he'll be. Um yeah, I tell you what, uh, the, the East got a lot better. And a team just down the road from them, just a little bit south, very close to where you're living now, team, Tim, Carolina Hurricanes. Absolutely made a splash. Don Waddell is a very conservative GM. He doesn't overextend himself. He he's very smart with his money. He went for it. The last two years, I feel like he's he's just said, I'm all in. The offer sheet to Montreal for Kakinemi, the trades that happened this this last week. Are the Carolina Hurricanes all of a sudden, not so quietly, the team to beat in the Eastern Conference? You bring in a former Noah Norris trophy winner in Brent Burns to fill that spot that Dougie Hamilton left, that Tony Delangelo left. You bring in a guy who's had was better than them. I don't know if, if he's an upgrade per se, but he's a bigger force out there. Burnsy, when he's motivated, when he's going, he's always motivated. What am I saying? He's a good player. And then you bring in a goal scorer, which I think they missed in the playoffs. They didn't have that guy, that mm-hmm. lethal threat. And I talked about this when they were playing the Rangers. They don't have that guy. Yes, they get zone time. Yes, they get you know pressure. Ajo's great. Trocek is great. All these guys. Svechnikov is probably the most dangerous goal scorer, but he's not He's not keeping anybody up at night when you're game planning against Carolina Hurricanes. And bring in a match patch ready. That guy will keep coaches up at night. He is a bona fide goal scorer. He's done it all throughout his career. He does it when he's hurt he does it at any time during the season, whether it's the first game, the last game, the playoffs, the guy produces and they bring him in for nothing. <laughs> they, they just get him from the Vegas golden Knights for absolutely nothing. Did the Carolina hurricanes do enough to him because they have a good team. They have a very good team. Are they now the contenders, the, the top dogs in the Eastern conference after what they showed us last year, they kind of flamed out in the playoffs. They still bring back both of the goaltenders, Freddie Anderson, anti Ranta, very good goaltenders. Their defense has always been a strength. 
And all of a sudden you add Max Pretch, Max Pacioretty to that group. They lose Vincent Trochik. That's that's going to be a hit. But I think Pacioretty is an upgrade over Trochik. Are, are the Hurricanes the team to beat now? I still don't know if they're better than the Lightning, but I think they are, you know, they got a lot better. And especially, you know, they're going to make, they're going to have a good season. And then the move that they make at the deadline will be, will tell us who they are coming at the playoffs. If they can add a piece at the deadline, a veteran, you know, top six winger, forward, center, whatever. And that's, that, that'll tell us how good these guys are. But right now, yes, they got better. And I think they'll have a good season. It's just a matter of, yeah, what they do further along the season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, it's funny how things work. I think the East again, much like last year got stronger. I think every team in the East besides the Leafs, but the Leafs are already strong. I think the balance of power in the NHL still lies in the East. Colorado just resigned all their guys. So they'll be strong. Edmonton, they got a goaltender. That was a big piece. They get Jack Campbell. We'll see how that, how much of a difference that makes with the Edmonton Oilers, because it's one thing to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs and people always say, oh, they're high flying this and that Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto Maple Leafs are pretty good defensively. Jack, he was good at times. He was great at times, but for the most part, the Leafs played pretty sound defensively. Oilers are, are, they're a different animal altogether. And the same can be said for Darcy Kemper. You go from Arizona, you go to Colorado where you're not getting any chances and he's going to Washington. It's like, oh, you better, you better get ready to face some rubber because you're going to get it. But just going back to my point, the East again, Detroit gets a lot better. Ottawa gets a lot better. Carolina gets a lot better. All these teams are reloading. Tampa Bay resigned all their guys. The East is going to be dangerous. Very, very dangerous. The Rangers didn't really do too much. I think they're dipping their toe in the Nazim Kadri water. I, I would expect them maybe to make a splash for him, but I don't know. But they're a good team. The West, LA, you know, maybe Anaheim. They, they didn't really make much. Nashville brings in McDonough. They re-sign Philippe Forsberg. Is that enough to move the needle for them? The East is still so incredibly strong. Is there any other teams, Tim, that you you thought had a great free agency period or any players that you think were, you know, oversigned maybe? Uh, well, we, we skipped over. Um, I, I talked about the cap signing Kemper, but they also signed Dylan Strom last night, which I think is a pretty good, pretty good addition by them. But the team that I think the, the biggest story that we haven't talked about yet is the Blackhawks. We touched on this the other day. They traded to Brinkett. They traded Doc. They got all these draft picks, and now their their top six is just depleted. Their top nine, really, basically their entire forward. Up. And the defense isn't great to start with. Um, Kane and Taze haven't spoken publicly since this all went down. There was an article on NHL.com that said the new GM, Kyle Davidson, had some, quote-unquote, productive conversations with them, and he basically didn't tell them what he was going to do, but he did tell them, like, hey, we're going to make some difficult moves. Just wanted to guys keep you guys in the loop, blah, blah, blah. And the report the other day we talked about was Kane was furious about everything that had been going down, hadn't requested a trade. And the latest report from Frank was that um, he's not going to request a trade in the offseason. He basically wants to see how things go, but it doesn't sound like he'll finish the year with the Blackhawks. You know, these guys, you can read the tea leaves. What's going through their head right now? Well, they're upset. And we we touched on this years ago. I remember I, I went into Chicago and I talked to some of the guys you mentioned. And I'm just like, casually, like, what do you think of the team? And this was a few years ago. And they go, I don't know anybody on anybody here anymore. I don't know who, who these kids are. And that was very telling. And as an organization, you want to keep your top guys happy. You know, you, you, you want to, and you see with Vegas now, where word is around the league, no one wants to go to Vegas. Why? It's because they don't treat their players good. That reputation is starting to go to Chicago a little bit. 
where no one wants to play there. And it used to be a destination. Yes, they've had some scandal, but they they don't treat they do treat their players well. But just look at I don't know. I know Johnny, I know Patty, I know them very well. They're not happy, but I think they won't come out and say anything because the organization has done so much for them. They've enjoyed their time there. They don't want to step on anybody's toes, but they don't want to be there. I don't think they've wanted to be there for a long time. And they locked into those contracts with the expectation that the GM, the organization was going to surround them with talent to win Stanley Cups. And that didn't happen. That didn't happen for the last seven years. They've been a bad team for a long time. So they're upset. They're frustrated, especially Kaner. He's been producing like crazy. Taves, obviously, he hasn't lived up to his contract. He has some injury problems, some health issues. Patty's over-exceeded his, con- his contract. He's been playing great his whole career. The guy will go down as one of the best players ever to step foot on the ice. He's frustrated. He's pissed. He won't go out and trash Chicago just because he's, you know, he, does, he doesn't want to step on the toes or anger the people who got him to where he is and got him three Stanley Cups and this and that. But the, he, I said last year they should have traded him. Did I not? I said they should have blew up the Chicago Blackhawks. Why are we signing Seth Jones? Why are we trying to bring Marc-Andre Fleury in? Blow up the team. But they don't. They trade away a first rounder and now they're blowing it up after the fact and they're doing it the wrong way. So I don't know what Kyle Davidson is doing. Patrick Kane is probably just cursing him every single night because he's doing it wrong and everybody can see it. Everybody is watching what Chicago is doing and you're doing it wrong. Your best player is supposed to give you a huge return. No return at all. Your young, good prospects, you're supposed to sign and then trade. You let them walk for free. Kublik and Strom. Your biggest asset, you could have traded him last year and got a boatload in return in return because he still had some term on his contract. Teams value that. Now Kane's in his last year of his contract. He's upset. GMs are going to see this and they're going to take advantage of it because they know Patrick's going to walk at the end of the year. You're doing it wrong, and everybody can see it. But you try to just paint this picture like, you know what's going on. I talk to these guys. Everybody's on the same page. They're not on the same page as you, Kyle. You're ruining the Chicago Blackhawks. Nothing you've done has worked. The the Hagel trade was a good return. I'll give you that. Everything else, no. And the Hagel trade will turn into, realistically, two high-end second rounders because Tampa Bay is not going to – you're not going to pick in the top 28 with the Tampa Bay team. So – those picks might go out the window. It's 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 a crapshoot when you're picking around that range of the draft. So it's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch. I want Chicago to be good, and they're not going to be. This is the definition of a tank that if I've ever seen one, it's epic proportions. We've seen it in baseball with the Oakland Athletics, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, these teams, the, the Marlins, where they openly say, we're going to tank, we're going to lose, we can't afford this. Chicago's one of the biggest teams in the NHL. They play in one of the biggest markets. They make money hand over fist. And they will be scratching the floor of the salary cap this year. It's embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. But, hey, at least they're honest about it. You know, they're not hiding it. It, It's there for everyone to see. We're trading away everybody. Everything's for sale. Patrick Kane will not end the year with the Chicago Blackhawks. I'm surprised he's still there. I'm surprised he's still there. Agreed. So uh, just to wrap things up, there are still plenty of free agents left, but two big ones, Nazem Kadri and John Klingberg, you know, arguably two of the top three free agents that were available at the start of all this. Um, seeing how the, the dominoes have fallen a little bit, where do you see those guys going? I honestly think they'll go back to their previous teams. 
Yeah. I think Kadri will get better offers with other places. Calgary's going to throw him a boatload of money. There are other teams that will give him more term and money. But I, I just think he's not a dumb player. He wants to win. And he's like, I, I had a chance. You know, I, I put some feelers out there. He's not liking what he's getting in return. So he's going to go back to Colorado. And Sackick will make it work and he'll fit him in under the cap. And maybe he'll make a few moves to make that work. But I think he goes back to Colorado and Klingberg, the same thing. He tested the market. Nothing really worked out. And he's going to go back to Dallas. That I, I don't know where those guys fit anywhere in the NHL. I don't think any team – well, I know they would fit in a lot of teams, but I just don't think they're going to put themselves in a position to be on a junk team for years to come, for six, seven, eight years, and hit yourself to a cart that's just – that's why the Johnny Gaudreau thing is so strange. Like, you've resigned yourself to losing now, Johnny, for the next five years, and you put yourself in a very good division where you're going to be playing tough, tough teams. You don't get to play the, the powder puff Edmonton Oilers, Vancouver Canucks, Vegas Golden Knights, San Jose Sharks, LA Kings, Anaheim Ducks. That's an easy schedule. You get to go and play Pittsburgh and Carolina and Florida and Tampa Bay and Toronto and the Rangers and the Devils and the Islanders. All those are very tough teams. <laughs> like you, There's no easy night in the East. Now that Detroit's gotten better, Ottawa's gotten better, Buffalo. Oh, my gosh. There's one easy night. <laughs> the poor save. Kevin Adams, I can imagine him just calling everybody. And all the agency, it's Kevin Adams, and they just ignore, ignore, ignore. <laughs> Put to voicemail. Poor Kevin Adams can't catch a break. Like, uh, no one wants to play there. And, and there's no hometown discount. There's no good young. Patrick Kane, he's the only guy who's like a hometown boy. And he, he's not going to Buffalo. You know what I mean? Ottawa, they get the Claude Giroux factor. He goes back because he wants to play at home and end his career there. Toronto, that happens a lot in Toronto. You see it for the bigger market teams. It's yeah, poor Buffalo. The straight to voicemail. Kevin's like, is my phone working? Do, did we pay our cell phone bill? What's going on here? But yeah, it's, uh, it's fun, Tim. It's fun to talk about. Yeah, I wish I could stay longer, but I got to go wrangle all the kids. Anything yeah. else we got to touch on? No, congrats again on a healthy baby. Sounds exciting times in your family. Did you gain any sympathy weight this time? That a thing? No. Nah. I'm just fat now. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't, I don't jump on the scale like I used to. But yeah, seven girls. It's wild. Someone out there check if it's a record. Seven, first seven kids are all girls. It's got to be some kind of record. Probably not. There's probably someone someone who has like 22 girls. It's amazing. And I'm just like, ah, sitting here with seven, what a loser. But all right, everybody, we will be back and better next week. I'll be more focused and ready to talk hockey. There's lots more stuff we could dig into. We'll have some interviews. I, I had to cancel Kirby Doc. <laughs> I was like, Kirby, I'm sorry, bud. We'll get you next week. So we'll have Kirby Doc on. We'll maybe get a little more insight on the Chicago Blackhawks thing. Again, another guy they traded. Why would you trade a third overall pick centerman, big body center? You can build her franchise around and you just give up on him because he didn't blow it out of the water because he had an injury and battling through stuff. Well, we'll get an insight from Curry. We'll have a couple more interviews and we'll have a good off season. All right, everybody have a good weekend and we will talk to you soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to dropping the gloves with John Scott, a member of the nation network of podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode delivered by DoorDash.